0: Well, if you've been with us, you know we've been in the last few months in a, a sermon series where we're looking at the life of Moses, who's one of the major figures of the Old Testament scriptures of, of the whole Bible, and, and we're going primarily through the book of Exodus, looking at significant events in his life and in the life of the people of Israel. And today we come to another one of those events, and you can find the passage that we're going to look at, uh, printed in your bulletin, uh, or if you've got a Bible, we're going to be in Exodus Chapter 33. We're going to be looking at verses 18, then going into chapter 34 through verse 9. And this is this is such an incredible um, section of God's word. So I'm really excited for us to look at it together. I'll give you more context once we get into the sermon itself. But before we do, let me let me pray that uh, read this and put it before us, and then pray and ask God to uh, help us see what He wants us to see in it this morning. And so again, Exodus. Chapter 33, starting in verse 18, this is God's word to us this morning. Moses said, please show me your glory. And he said, God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I'll be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock. And I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. The Lord said to Moses, Cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first, and I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. Be ready by the morning, and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai, and present yourself there to me. On top of the mountain. No one shall come up with you, and let no one be seen throughout all the mountain. Let no flocks or herds graze opposite that mountain. So Moses cut two tablets of stone like the first, and he rose early in the morning and went up on Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him, and took in his hand two tablets of stone. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness keeping steadfast love for thousands forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin but who by no means will clear the guilty visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation and Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped and he said if now I have found favor in your sight O Lord please let the Lord go in the midst of us for it is a stiff-necked people and pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us for your inheritance. This is God's word, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time this morning. Thank you that we can come and um, gather as your people. What a privilege and gift this is to get to be here um, and now to get to open your word. And Lord, we thank you for this day you've given us in our culture where we get to celebrate our moms. And so I wanna lift up our moms to you today. Um, for those of us who are moms, I pray that, that they would be um, encouraged, be strengthened. Um, Lord, for all of us, as we think about our own moms, um, I pray that we would uh, be grateful to you for the moms that you've given us. Um, Lord, that you give us the ability to um, properly uh, tell them and give them our gratitude. Um, Lord, for maybe for some of us, um, our relationship with our mom is difficult, or maybe uh, we've lost our mom and so if we're there this morning would you meet us in that as well give us the peace and um, comfort of your presence that we need and we also lift up uh, those of us who would long to be a mom um, but you haven't brought us there yet and so pray that you'd also um, bring comfort where comfort is needed and we thank you that even the, the greatest uh, mother or father um, really is only a, a small shadow of the the parent that you are and so I pray that um, even as we think about our mothers today uh, we would ultimately be drawn to you and um, now as we look at this passage would you uh, open our eyes and our hearts give us your spirit help us to see um, some of just what's here there's so much so would you help us would you help me to communicate these truths that are way greater than I have the ability to do on my own and so Uh, Come now, Holy Spirit, we ask uh, for your glory, God, and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's really good to be back with you today. Uh, Maybe some of you don't know this, if um, you're either just visiting today or have started coming uh, in the last few weeks, but a lot has happened since I was last up here with you guys. So we announced on Sunday, April 2nd, that I was officially moving into uh, this new role um, for me as the lead site pastor here at South End, which I'm super excited about. Um, so we announced that that Sunday, but then five days later, uh, we had our third child, our daughter Sophia, on Good Friday, April 7th, about five weeks ago, and so we jumped into um, newborn life again, which was which was a lot. Um, But then a couple of weeks in, we actually had a health scare. We had to take her to the ER and then um, ended up staying in the hospital for several days. And uh, it was pretty scary. Thankfully, we're in a better spot. Um, She's doing a lot better, but uh, we're still trying to figure some of it out. But we're in a much better spot. And so now that we've been in this more stable place, we're kind of back to just figuring out, okay, what does it look like for us now to be a family of five? And so just a lot going on. But in addition to all that, uh, something else happened during this time. That is we got a new blender. Which of course, much less significant, but still significant nonetheless because Sarah and I really like to make smoothies. It's you know, it's a great way to get in some more fruits and vegetables, especially for the kids. And the blender we had was getting old. It was it was wearing down. And the new one we got is is just amazing. Like you can put anything in there, frozen fruit, frozen vegetables, spinach, kale, chocolate chips, like whatever, and it, it chops it up all so well. Like you can't even tell what's in there from a cons- consistency standpoint. And so Sarah and I have been just obsessed with it. Uh, in the midst of everything else going on, we keep talking about it. Like, I can't believe how good this is. We're blending all the time, making way more smoothies than we normally make. We love it so much. And here's the reason. Because what it's done is it's made us realize how much we were settling for with our old blender. And what we'd been settling for were, were chunks of frozen fruit that if you're trying to use a straw, you know, like get stuck, and then you just got to figure out how to get the rest of it there. We'd been settling for pieces of spinach that would just kind of be floating and would eventually come and get stuck in your teeth and ruin the whole uh, experience. But it's, it's been a revelation. We're like, how have we gone this long without having this? It's amazing. And now I'll bring that up because what Sarah and I have experienced in the last few weeks with our new blender is an example of something that you and I experience from time to time in different parts of our lives, where we discover something new and we realize that we've been settling. We, just, we realize that there's more, there's, there's something better out there for us in, in whatever area of life it is. And, and this is often true. You can think about how you've experienced it in different parts of your life. And it's, it's certainly true of our life with God, because the way the Bible, the way God talks about relationship with him and what he offers us, the beauty, the fullness, the the richness, the depth, the life, the power, if you think about these things, if you take an honest look at them, we settle. There's no doubt about it. I know I do. And this passage that we're looking at today is we're seeing Moses refusing to settle. Because Moses here is saying, I'm not going to settle for the status quo in my relationship with you. In this conversation he's been having with God where they've been going back and forth, at the end of it, he basically blurts out, please show me your glory. And what he's saying is, please show me who you are. I want to know who you are. I don't want to settle for anything less than that. And so this is a great opportunity for us today to think about this to think about how we settle and what it might look for, like for us to follow Moses in this path of refusing to settle anymore. And so we're gonna look at three things as we work our way through this. First, the temptation to settle, the temptation to settle in our life with God. Second, the adventure of not settling. And then third and finally, how we can begin this journey for ourselves. And so let's jump into it with this first point the temptation to settle, the temptation to settle in our life with God. And we see this in the context leading up to the part of the story we're looking at here, the situation Moses is in, because he was in a spot where it would have been so easy for him to settle. And now let me explain just to review. Remember, God saved this people. He brought them out of slavery in Egypt. He started leading them through the wilderness to this land he's promised to give them. And more recently, he's given them his law the Ten Commandments telling them how to live and flourish in their relationship with him. And he's also been busy giving Moses instructions on how to build a tabernacle, this place where he's going to come and and live among them in a special way. But as we saw last week, when Sid preached, while Moses was away talking with God, the people get impatient. And what they do is they make a cow out of their gold, and they start to worship it instead of God. And so, of course, God is, is deeply hurt by this. He's angry and rightfully so that they would so quickly abandon him for something else. And so Moses, as the mediator, goes to God to mediate for the people who've done this, and he asks God to forgive them, to show them mercy. And God agrees. He says, I will forgive you. I will show you mercy. I'll even still send you to the promised land, but the plan has changed because this time I'm not going with you anymore. And we saw this last week, but just to remind you, we see this at the beginning of Exodus 33 in verse 1, where the Lord said to Moses, depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, to your offspring I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up. Among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff necked people. So here's where Moses is. He's in a position where God is saying to him, Moses, you guys can still go up to the land. You can still have these gifts I've promised you. You can have my blessings. You can have my power working in your life to drive out your enemies. You can have all that, but you just can't have me. You can't have my presence there with you. This is what's on the table for him. God's gifts without God. God's blessings without his presence. This great outward life of abundance in the land, but without the one who's brought them there by his free grace and mercy alone. This is the decision before Moses. What am I going to do? What do I want? What am I really about? Do I want what God can give me, or do I want God And of course, as we've seen and alluded to, he says, I want God. I'm not settling for anything less. And and we'll look at what happens when he does this in just a few minutes. But before we get there, we need to pause and first think about this. Because this decision before Moses is often the decision before us in our lives as well. What are we going to do? What do we really want? What are we really going to be about? Do we... Want what God can give us or do we want God? And so to help us think about this, let's use our imaginations. So what if God came to you today and said, look, here's what I'll do for you. I'll bring you to Charlotte, this place called South End, a land flowing with breweries and dogs. I'll bring you here, I'll, I'll, there. I'll, I'll give you this great group of friends. I'll give you a career and I'll bless you so that you can make a lot of money and quickly move up the ladder faster than your peers. I'll give you a spouse and eventually the kids and family you want. I'll cause Bryce Young, the Panthers' new quarterback, to become the greatest quarterback of all time so that the Panthers are, are a, an awesome team to follow for the next 15 to 20 years, which I would love that, by the way, pulling for that. But I'll do all these things for you You'll have the life you always dreamed about, but here's the catch. You won't have me. I won't be there with you. What would you say to that? How would you respond? And now before we we move ahead too quickly, I, I know we know the right answer. But really, and it can be more subtle, not that I don't want God to give me outward things like this, but as I've, I've been reflect, reflecting on this for me personally this week and kind of where I'm at right now, I've thought about how so much of my pursuit of God right now can be because I want Him to change me in a certain way. Which, again, God changing us is a, is a good thing. But I've been realizing I want Him to make me like so mature and full of faith that I'm never anxious or afraid, that I always have everything under control, that I can play every uh, role in my life with excellence, and so I can, that I can make it look easy. While I do it, I see how that can be what's underneath some of my pursuit of God, my my reading, my study, my prayers, my activity for him. I want God to bring me to a point where I don't really need him. And it's been so good for me to ask this question this week. Do I want God or do I want what he can give me? And I wonder, what does this look like for you? As you're sitting here today, Are you settling for God's gifts without God himself? That's the temptation before us. And it's one that Moses emphatically rejects. And what happens when he does? Let's look at our second point, the adventure of not settling. Moses says no way to this. In verse 15 of chapter 33, a couple of verses before our passage begins, he says to God, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. He's like, if you're not going, I'm not going. We're not going. And in verse 18, as we've seen, he keeps going and he says, please show me your glory. And this takes him on an amazing experience of discovering God in a whole new way, discovering that there's so much more of God than he could have ever imagined. And so what does he discover as he goes on this journey? Well, he discovers more first through God's actions. Through God's actions. And you see this in verses 19 through 23. So again, verse 18, he says, please show me your glory. And God says, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord And I'll be gracious to whom I'll be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. So how does God respond to this audacious request from Moses? He agrees to it. He says, yes, I will show you more. I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I love that Moses asked God to show him his glory, and God says, okay, all my goodness will pass before you. He's like, my glory is my goodness. He tells him he will do it. But because God's so holy, and as he says, no one can see my face and live, he tells Moses he's going to do something surprising. He's going to put him in the cleft of the rock, He's going to cover him with his hand and then pass by so that he can get a glimpse of this. But then once he's passed, he's going to remove his hand so he can stay protected while he does. It's it's such a tender move from this God who's, who's so great. And so Moses first discovers here that God is willing to answer his request for more. God honors his dogged unwillingness to settle for less. But then this leads to the even greater discovery Moses makes through God's words in Exodus verses 34, verses 6 and 7. And this is where this passage just explodes. Because as God does pass by, like he said he would, he gives Moses one of the greatest descriptions of who he is in all the Bible. In fact, Dane Ortland, in his chapter on this, in his book Gentle and Lowly, says, if you could only pick one passage from all the Old Testament to answer the question, who is God, this is it. Because it's that rich and it's that good. Because here's what God says as he passes by. So again, verse 5, He says, it says, The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Verse 6, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. And so what does he say? Who is God according to God? Well, the first words he uses are, are probably not what you would expect. He doesn't say the Lord, the Lord, a God disappointed and frustrated Because you're not doing better and you're not further along, maybe we might expect him to say something like that. But that's not what he says. He says, a God merciful and gracious. And those those are his first two words. And the order matters. I mean, think if you were describing yourself to someone, really trying to help them know who you are, you would put the attributes most core to who you are first. What's most true about you, what you most want to be known by. And that's what God does. He says, you want to see my glory Here's where it starts. I'm merciful and I'm gracious. And then he keeps going. In the same, same vein, he says, I'm slow to anger. We think often about the, the God of the Old Testament. Oh, that's, He's an angry God. Right here, he's saying, that's not who I am. I'm slow to anger. Then he says, I'm abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, which could be translated to thousand generations forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin and the word for forgiving here has this idea of of lifting or carrying something off a burden and placing it on placing it somewhere else god says in my steadfast love i lift up your sins and i take the burden of them upon myself that's at the core of who i am that's my glory and then finally there's justice too he also says but who will by no means clear the guilty visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So God is full of mercy and compassion, but he's also not a pushover. He's just. And this one's a little hard to hear after the the other one's immediately coming before it, but wouldn't it actually be bad news if God didn't care about all the sin and evil and injustice in the world, if he was never gonna do anything about that? But that's not who God is. He's a God full of grace and truth. See, Moses discovers so much in this moment, like too much, too much to comprehend. And look at what it does to him. Verse 8 tells us after this that Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. And he said, If now if I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord go in the midst of us, for it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for your inheritance. So he falls down in worship, and then I, I love this. He keeps asking for more. He says, oh, Lord, please go with us. He says that again, but he, he does it this time with a greater awareness of both just how little he and his people deserve it and just how willing God is to give it. Like, this is it's beautiful. And now there's so much we can learn here. I, I feel like we're just skimming the surface on it in, in a lot of ways. But as we try to take in this whole interaction, one principle I want us to see is, this is the pattern of how life with God works. And what do I mean by that? When Moses refuses to settle for anything less than God, and he asks God to show him his glory, to reveal himself to him, what happens? He discovers more. He discovers there's more to him than he ever could have thought or dreamed And of course, it it doesn't happen for us quite like this. But similarly, when you and I refuse to settle like Moses does, and we say, I'm not going to be okay with these outward things, even these good things that God can give me, but I want God, what we discover is more, that there's always more. And, And really, it's just like being in a relationship with anybody because that's what this is. It's a relationship. Right? When you get married or you enter into a friendship with someone, you could describe that relationship as it grows over time as you consistently finding out more about that person. Even with us as human beings, we're so intricate and complex. There's always more to discover. You, can, you could be married to someone for a really long time. You could be in a friendship with someone for a really long time, and you're always discovering more if you're not settling, if you're being intentional, and, and that's what this is. And that's why C.S. Lewis, in the last book of the Chronicles of Narnia, The Last Battle, in his very last chapter, he talks about this idea of going further up and further in. That's what the chapter is even titled. As the old Narnia is coming to an end and the new one is, is beginning, this is the invitation for everyone there to come further up and further in. And as Lewis was writing, he was anticipating the new heavens and the new earth and what that will be like when we see and and get to know God fully. But even now in our life with him, this is what he invites us into, to go further up and further into him. I mean, even just sitting with these two verses, verses six and seven, like you could meditate on that, those verses for the rest of your life, and you could never get to the bottom of them. And that's what's been inspiring me so much this week. Like, Ah, there's so much more than I realize. I've been a, a Christian for 15 years and like I'm barely scratching the surface. Like there's so much more. It really is an adventure, an adventure of discovering more and more of who God is. And so then finally, how can we begin this journey for ourselves? And so two applications I wanna end with. And the first one is this, we can start to pray this prayer that Moses prays. We can start going on this journey ourselves by just simply praying this prayer Moses does. This prayer, God, please show me your glory. And I know as I think about my own prayers, I'll pray somewhat often for God to be glorified, which is also a, a very great and biblical prayer, but I don't pray this that much. And I was talking with someone who, who said they actually do, um, so maybe you already do, but what if this, this became one of, our, one of the go-to things that you and I prayed. That whatever's going on, whatever situation we find ourselves in, if we started praying, God, please show me your glory. Most of all, whatever happens, I want you. I want to I know you in a greater way than I do right now. And so first, we can simply just start to, to pray this. We can start to ask God to show us his glory and, and see what he does, see what happens. So that's the first thing. And then second, and even more, the one I want to spend more time on is as we pray this prayer and ask God to show us his glory, we can look at the glory God has revealed to us. We can look at the glory God has revealed to us. And what do I mean by that? Well, commentators on this passage point out that you can go to John chapter 1 and you can find a direct connection to this passage. Because here Moses asks to see God's glory. And then you go to John chapter 1, specifically verse 14, and here's what the apostle John tells us. He says this in John 1, 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And then later in the book of John, John chapter 14, when Philip, one of Jesus' disciples, he asks him, Lord, show us the father and it is enough for us. Doesn't that kind of sound like what Moses is praying here? Show me your glory. Show me who you are, God. And look at what Jesus says. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And see, here's the point. The glory Moses only got a glimpse of is the glory we get to see in full in the person of Jesus Christ. The one who makes all these words we read here about God come to life and live in color. God says, I'm merciful and gracious. Jesus tells us in Matthew eleven 28, I'm gentle and lowly in heart. God says, I'm slow to anger. I'm abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. When Jesus came and walked the earth, that's exactly who he was all the time. God tells Moses, I forgive sins and iniquity for a thousand generations, but I won't clear the guilty. Jesus is the way that makes sense. Right, how God can be both forgiving and just. How he can agree to keep going with this people who's, who's just rejected him like they have. How he, how he can keep going with us when we reject him all the time like we do because after he lived a perfect life of righteousness on our behalf, in his most glorious moment, Jesus went to the cross where he was punished in our place, where he took all our iniquity and transgression and sin and lifted that burden onto himself. So, as the Apostle Paul says in Romans 3, 26, God can be both just and the justifier of those who place their faith in him. See, Jesus shows us the glory of what God is like, and the cross is the absolute pinnacle of that glory. When mercy and justice, grace and truth came together, and it's a glory that when you start to look at it, you can never get to the bottom of when you consider all you consistently settle for in your life, when I consider that, when you recognize what your sin deserves, like I don't deserve your presence, Lord, and yet you give it to me anyway. And when you discover that anew, like it blows you away over and over again. And what happens is some of the things that you are prone to settle for, they start to look a little worse. And Jesus, on the other hand, starts to look better and better and we end up doing what Moses does at the end of this. We bow down and we worship, but not only that on the basis of God's free grace alone, we keep going at him. We keep asking for more. God, show me your glory. Show me who you are. And see that, that's the journey God is inviting you and me into today, to stop settling for all these lesser things, to keep asking for more, to see his glory that he's revealed to us in Jesus Christ and to experience just a bit of what Moses did on this this day here at this mountain, to go further up and further in together and to continue on this journey all the days of our lives and throughout eternity. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, we thank you for the way that you have come and shown us the glory of God in a way that blows our minds. Um, Lord, we do pray with Moses today that you would please show us your glory in an even greater way. Um, I pray that as we see it, uh, we would stop settling um, for the things you give us, um, even the ways you can change us um, instead of you. Um, Lord, we we want you and we want to want you more. And so would you please, by your spirit, um, change us in that way. I pray that for me and my friends here today. In Jesus' name, amen.